welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. This is Friend Park Center for Faith and Life with our Out of the Park podcast series. My name is Ilona Kubiacek-Adler and I'm the Director of Music here at Pinnacle Presbyterian Church and I am with Bruce Fawkes. That name might ring a bell. This is one of the names that you see on our spectacular sanctuary organ. So Bruce Fawkes is one of the organ builders of our wonderful instrument. How long did it take you to build this organ? took two, uh, a little over two years in our workshop, and then it took us a month to set the organ up in the church. So we started the organ in 2004 in Chattanooga and had it set up there and had an open house for it. Then we shipped it all out here in two uh, 53-foot trailers, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's been almost 20 years ago, you realize. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, there's details I don't remember exactly, but uh, the organ, I think in a, we had it set up in a month, and then they started using it every Sunday after that. And it took me nine months. I and my associates, I had two people I worked with uh, to get the instrument voiced for this room. Mm-hmm. What is special about this particular organ? Well, every organ is voiced for its room. And we were part of the design team, a, a minor part, but we did get to put in you know, our two cents as to how the acoustic would work and uh, the environment. And part of that was for the organ so that it would, uh, you know, bringing an organ to the desert, it's all metal and wood. And wood does not like to be dried out mm-hmm. to zero humidity. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of a, a challenge. And with the design team agreed that they would bury part of the church in order to keep the thermal load down and to try and keep humidity in the room, they put a very special plaster that absorbs humidity and then slowly releases it throughout the week. So when you have baptisms or, you know, your fountain and people come in and start singing in the room and breathing, Mm -hmm. they're putting off a lot of humidity, which the room is absorbing all during the Sunday services, and then all week long, it slowly gives it back. That was not our exact idea, but we were part of coming up with it. And that was, mm-hmm. I think that was a really cool thing. Because of the acoustic and the shape of the room, uh, this organ has a unique sound. Just like other organs that are in big buildings, like the Mormon Tabernacle has a unique sound because of the shape of that room and the size of the room. And your organ is very much influenced by the exact same factors. The the thickness of the walls are part of the reason why the organ sounds good. It keeps the the 
sound focused in the room and it keeps out some of the outside noise too you know being on Pima Road it could be a lot worse if you didn't have the room built the way it was going back a little bit to the historically informed idea and uh, the sounds of the German instruments how did you how what is the process if you can doesn't have to be a lengthy answer but what is the process of uh creating pipework that resembles those instruments? What does it take to create an instrument that's historically informed or that is modeling instruments that are in Germany? Every school of organ building, not only are the, there's the big differences, there's a lot of small, subtle differences, but pipe making is not pipe making everywhere. Modern pipes, the sounds are not going to sound exactly like an old a pipe that's built in a historic using historic construction methods for one thing your pipes were all hand planed so they're thicker at the mouth of the pipe and thinner at the top of the pipe it's done for structural reasons as well as uh, tonal reasons it makes the pipe so it's less likely to collapse under its own weight you know I mean these are lead and tin pipes and so gravity's their enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, their nature is to collapse. So we have to combat that by uh, making sure they're made in such a way that they're strongest at their most vulnerable points, and that's the mouth. The mouth is that opening you see uh, at the bottom of the pipe before the cone that it sits on. So we've done everything that uh, we could to ensure that this is built like these old organs that have lasted for hundreds of years. And that's why they've lasted, is because of these construction techniques. But a happy byproduct is it gives the organ pipe a special resonance and a special sound that, um, because they're thinner up at the top, you can actually put your hand on our pipes, and you can feel them uh, vibrating when another pipe is played of the same pitch. That's a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is it means it's like a sympathetic string on a piano, Mm -hmm. and it also absorbs some of the uh, sounds, some things. So uh, sometimes uh, it acts almost like a filter to filter out annoying sounds, <laughs> mm-hmm. frequencies that are that we associate with noise. Mm-hmm. There are, um, th- this is a tracker organ, and uh, maybe you can also help us uh, ex- explain what a tracker organ means, but my second question that follows the tracker organ is that sometimes um, both organists and listeners think that instruments that are historically informed or trackers are somewhat limited in what you can actually perform or uh, on them. This is, of course, I'm not of that opinion, but I also wonder uh, uh, what is your opinion about that? To answer the first part of your question about what a mechanical organ is versus electric action, prior to the turn of the 20th century, all organs were mechanical organs. So what that means is inside of the Winchester is a valve that stands below the pipes. 
And when that valve is opened, the air can pass from the wind chest through uh, the foot of the pipe to make the pipe play. And those valves were then con connected through a series of levers and, and uh, sticks that we call trackers. Uh, these levers and connections go right to the key. So when the organist pushes on the key, it's directly connected to those valves under the pipes. Now, after the turn of the century, people invented leather pouches that they could put, connect with um, electromagnets, and then they could have a circuit going from a switch in the console of the organ that would uh, open these, magnetically open up these valves that would then open under the pipe and allow the, the air into the pipes. And it's a very clever system and they work really well uh, most of the time until they don't. <laughs> the one thing it does is it allows the organ builder to put pipes anywhere he wants to in the building. And what that does to the organ is it breaks up the unity. It's like taking a choir and putting them in different parts of the room. Sometimes it sounds very good, but sometimes, especially with if you don't have enough resources or if the room is not good, it just sounds bad. It's like divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of organs were built that way that just sound meh. Mm -hmm. There's nothing special. Um, when you build a mechanical style organ, there's a discipline imposed on you by the mechanism that makes you keep it all close together like a choir. And you have to use that discipline to create the case, the way it looks. You know, you can change the features of it, but you can't spread it any farther than a mechanical system. Uh, it has limits. And at a certain point, it won't work. And so that discipline's a good thing for us. And I find it helps the organs blend better. Um, I love uh, the feel of these instruments. There's an intimacy with the music because your brain is not just counting. It, it, it goes beyond a certain point at which you're not thinking about your timing anymore. You feel it. Mm -hmm. You feel it intuitively in your, in your body. And uh, it's a different thing when you separate that, especially if the organ console is very far from the pipes. It can actually get to where there's just a time delay by virtue of the distance. If I can just uh, cut in just for a second from an organist perspective, it's also that intimacy uh, allows uh, an organist and the, the mechanism allows the organist to control the opening, the release, the attack and release of the sound, which control it allows me as an organist to control the product better, so the sound better with my fingers. And this is something that I uh, personally have a preference for as far as uh, mechanical versus electric action, which 
electric action has that zero and one effect, or it's on or it's off, and I have everything in between in a tracker action. I've always found that too uh, that electric action, the weight's always the same, so it's easier to play initially, but it's a lot harder to make music on it. I think you have to be a lot more focused and just work a lot harder to get the same sound. Mm-hmm. Now, what what about that second part of the question where I asked, um, do you think, uh, well, the, the, I think the bottom line question for this is, do you think your instruments that you're building are versatile? Uh, I do. <laughs> and the reason, um, all the greatest instruments uh, in Europe were all mechanical instruments. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them have been electrified, but the instruments of J.S. Bach, Buxtehude, Bruns, all of the Germans, uh, up until uh, Dissler, were still, I think he was still playing on musical or mechanical organs. But the French, uh, even Dupre, you know, all of the French masters were all playing mechanical. Cavaco always. Use mechanical organs. Now his organs got so big that he had to introduce. uh, It's a pneumatic assist, but it's too difficult to describe Mm -hmm. what it is. But he described the difference between a mechanical organ and a electric action organ. There's one iteration in between where we have what we call a pneumatic organ, where we use air from it's the organ is mechanical up to a certain point at which point we open a little valve and a tube communicates for a certain distance air to a pneumatic pouch that opens the valve so it's similar to tracker to a mechanical but it's not got the electric action but Cavaillaco the great French organ builder said described it thusly, he said, a mechanical organ, playing a mechanical organ is like visiting uh, a a gentleman's home where you're greeted at the door by his valet. He invites you in, uh, takes your coat and hat, and uh, invites you to sit down into a, a comfortable chair while he goes and gets his master. He said, a pneumatic organ... Uh, you're invited in by the valet and he tells you there's the closet you can put your coat and hat in there and come in and uh, I'll I'll go get my master and he said electric action the valet uh, pulls you in rips your coat off takes your hat and throws it over a coaster and yells to the master, uh, someone's here to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very interesting. I like that. So I have, th- I know you have a lot of things to do still, uh, and that's that's what I want to. That would be our last question, which is: You are here to do maintenance on the instrument and to tune the instrument. Why is it necessary to do that? So any mechanical thing that's as complex as this is, this organ has hundreds and hundreds of small wooden parts and uh, levers and springs 
and keys that are all interconnected. And so um, uh, humidity can affect them. Dust, dirt affects them. Even bugs can get in between the keys and they die there and turn to bug dust. All of that uh, can uh, uh, affect the reliability, the f ease of uh, friction. So basically what we're doing is we come and we go through the instrument and do a lot of cleaning and just a lot of adjusting and trying to polish and make sure there's no dirt anywhere and get all of the everything shined up so that it's at its optimum best and put it back into its like new condition. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all your time and for doing that. And mm -hmm. thank you for sharing all your thoughts and ideas. And uh, it's just a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org.